Good evening. This is uh, good to, to be here uh, this evening to share the word with you. I trust that you'll be encouraged and uh, challenged um, as uh, you leave this place after the word has been shared. Our reading this morning comes from Genesis, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10, and uh, bear with me, it is a little bit lengthy, um, but not that lengthy, uh, um, up to verse 13, sorry, chapter 13, verse 4, so Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, to chapter 13, verse 4, sometimes I feel like the editors of the Bible uh, made a mistake here, because the story uh, from Genesis 12 should have ended um, at chapter 13, verse 4. But uh, that's just my opinion. So, um, if you're able to, let's all stand as I read from Genesis. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a, whole, for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is my wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from, the pla from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this evening that lord god you will be here that you will speak it will speak i ask father that uh, what is said here is said for your glory to lead your saints to trust in your son jesus christ i pray father that you will bless this preaching this evening in the name of jesus christ i pray amen you may have a seat Now, the book of Genesis was written by Moses, arguably, 
And um, Moses wrote to tell his audience, who were Israelites, their history, to tell them where they come from. So he starts with a general history about the whole world, the cosmos, the universe. And then he goes into the story of Abraham, which is in chapter 12, because God is focusing on his plan of redemption. And, and Moses wants them to understand that as a nation, they're special in God's eyes. And this is why, because of our forefather, Abraham. So now he's telling the story of Abraham, how things went in his life. Now, in the story of Abraham, we learn how God works with his people. This is the same God who is at work today in the church with you and I. So what we learn about God in the life of Abraham is true today for us too. Now, Abraham is the patriarch of these people. And God has this special plan, this big plan for Abraham. And he has just been called to leave his whole family, to leave everything. And to go to the land of Canaan. Now God had called him into Canaan. Understand that. Into Canaan. Now, he gets to Canaan. God reassures him about his promises for him. Abraham builds an altar and he worships God. Because most likely the journey was difficult. Because this was a long time ago when it wasn't so safe to travel. And he knew that he got into the land that God had asked him to go to. And there he was. He was safe. And he wanted to dedicate himself to God. And so he prays and he builds this altar. He worships. But not, not too long after he settles down, a famine comes. So here's what I want us to understand about Abraham. He was chosen by God. Being chosen by God means being loved by God. And so today we're going to learn three things about God's love. God's love in the believer's life. So here we are with a famine. This is the context. And the first thing I want us to know about God's love is God's love brings trials. God's love brings hardships. When God chooses you, it's not going to be easy. So here... There is a famine. Now, I don't know how many of you have traveled to another country to settle down there and to live in a foreign land. It's not easy, especially if you know nobody. You're alone. And this was Abraham's situation. And there's a famine. And remember, he, he left everything. So he didn't have much. And if there's a famine, he's going to struggle. And this was actually from God because we know that God is in charge of the weather. He is the God of the universe. And so that famine came on purpose by the plan of God to test Abraham. God told him, go to Canaan. He gets to Canaan and oh my goodness, well, where am I going to find food? What do I do? And so we need to understand that when God calls you, you're going to face difficulties. Joseph, the life of Joseph and uh, a descendant of Abraham, one of Jacob's 12 sons, in fact, Jacob's favorite son, he knew that God had a great plan for him. He was the favorite son. He had these dreams where God told him that the sun and the moon and the stars are going to bow down to you. 
He didn't know that it, it would mean that he would become the prime minister of Egypt. But he just knew God had a great plan for him. But for him to get there, there were hardships. Because he was chosen by God, his brothers hated him. Now to take this further, let's look at Jesus Christ. In the plan of God, as, as he came in, in the incarnation as Jesus Christ, he would, he would rise from the dead and ascend and be glorified and all things would be put under him. But before that, he had to go through humiliation. He, his own nation hated him. The leaders in Israel hated Jesus Christ and they wanted to put him to death and in fact, they succeeded in their plan. But just like Joseph, they intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. So Jesus Christ, before he could be glorified, went through hardships. Jesus Christ's followers, God had a great plan for them. In fact, we haven't even seen all the great plans that God has for Peter and company. In fact, when we, when we get to the glorification in the future, we're going to see just how great God's plan is for the 12 apostles. But they went through a humiliation. We have reliable sources that tell us, the tradition tells us that Peter was crucified and he requested to be crucified upside down because he said he's not worthy to die the way that his Lord died. He went through hardships. Paul, in the same tradition, it says that Paul was decapitated, probably in Rome. He went through hard times. And we know from his letters and his epistles that he was in jail. We know from the Acts that he was stoned to the point of death. Hardships are part of being chosen by God. That is a reality. And Abraham was just learning that. He had just learned that. But guess what? Abraham failed. Now, for us today, we need to understand that being a Christian does not mean that all of a sudden life is going to be so good because the God of the universe is behind you and whatever goals you have in your mind, in your heart, in your thinking, all the things you want to achieve are just going to work out just like that because you have given your life to Christ. That is not the truth about Christianity. When you become a Christian, things are going to get difficult because if you're a businessman, you have to be a businessman of integrity. Nowadays in our country, to do business, you have to write a proposal and you have to budget to submit that proposal to the NGO or whatever company you want to work with. But at the same time, in your budget, there has to be a little extra something for that person that you're submitting the proposal to so that you can get that tender, you can get that, that contract but as a Christian, you have to say no to that. So if it means that for two years, you get no big contract, that you don't get to drive the nice car that you wish you could drive, that your peers are driving, if that's what it means to be a Christian, then so be it. It's going to be tough. But that's the price we have to pay for today. Jesus said you can't serve both God and mammon, meaning money. We can't serve both God and material things. So you have to decide. Am I going to say no to the world? Or am I going to say no to God? 
Maybe you're at work and there are people who are partaking in corruption. They are taking, siphoning money from the organization. This is very common with NGOs here in Malawi. We have a project somewhere in Sanje. So uh, we're, we, we usually have people go out on the field and we're going to give them allowances to go on the field. But now you find the boss feels that because I'm the boss, I, I don't want to go on the field. That's for the, the officers. But anyway, tell the accountant to put me on that list so that I get the allowance. That's corruption. But that's happening in our NGOs. And that's just an example of how money is being siphoned. There are many ways. People are very creative. Pastor Sanders once preached on uh, Genesis chapter 3, the serpent. The serpent was the craftiest. It was the smartest of all the beasts of the field. See, bad things happen with smart people, beautiful people. In our NGOs, we have these things happening. In our workplaces, we have these things happening. And as Christians, we have to say no. There's a lady at ABC. Her husband works there and she stays on campus. She, she is now an MP. But not too long ago, a few years ago, she was part of an NGO where many, many people in the, in the organization, in fact, pretty much all of them were siphoning money in such a way. But she said no because she says, I'm a Christian and the word of God tells me this is wrong and I'm going to say no. And after some time, the donors caught wind of what was going on in the organization. So they came from outside the country and they came here and they, they had a, an audit and they found out that every person in the organization was stealing except this one woman. And you know what they did? They fired everybody except her and they said to her, because of your integrity, we're now going to make you the country director of this organization and you're going to hire whoever you want and we're going to help you start this organization from scratch. Now that's a positive example because somebody succeeded because of their integrity. But at times, that's not the case. Maybe you're going to miss out. Maybe you're going to miss out. What if some boss got tired of her and found a way to get her fired? Just because he made her feel bad. But that's the reality of being a Christian. We're going to have to say no to corruption. We're going to have to say no to the wrong things. And we're going to suffer because of that. We're going to suffer from our peers. We're going to suffer because we're not going to get as much money as everybody else. And you're going to see people getting richer because of their corruption. And maybe there'll be that temptation that, oh, maybe I, I, I should. After all, this is Malawi. This is Africa. But we have to say no. Hardships are part of the Christian walk. Now, as I said, Abraham failed his test. He failed. That's the reality of life. We're not perfect, and God knows that. And here is the great patriarch of Israel, the great patriarch of God's people. Here he is, a failure. God called him to Canaan, and he decided that, oh, this is difficult here. I'm going to go to Egypt. Now, Egypt was kind of like the USA of today. 
It was the place to be. A lot of money. A lot of things going on. Food was there. So he decided to go there. With life was easier. He was now in the place of disobedience. And notice that his disobedience leads to another sin. Because as he's going there, he says to his wife Sarai, Look, when we get there, they're going to see that you're beautiful. And because you're beautiful, they're going to want to kill me and take you. So say that you're my sister so that it may go well with me. So he's telling his wife to lie. So his disobedience leads to lying. And so they get to Egypt and lo and behold, yes, the Egyptians see her. Wow, what a beautiful woman. And they go praise her to Pharaoh. Now, if, if, if you know how Africans are, if you know African culture back in our history, the chief, the king, has to have all the beautiful women. And so Pharaoh had to have her. He couldn't have another person in his territory with a, a, a woman more beautiful than his queen. What is that going to say about him? Big man syndrome. And so he gets her. And obviously they have to ask, hey, uh, so who is she to you? Who is he to you? This is my brother. This is my sister. Oh, great. Well, Pharaoh would love your hand in marriage. And so Pharaoh takes her. Abraham lied. She lied. The family is separated. Now, we have to understand something about this. When Abraham said that to his wife, that we should do this, what he was saying is, our marriage is over. He was, and, and, and it wasn't just that. He was saying, God's plan for us is over. He gave up on God's plan for his life. He gave up. That's something we don't realize. Abraham gave up. And now, he is in a position where he probably doesn't even know what's going to come next. He, had a, he knew God's plan for him, but now he's out of it, and he doesn't know what's going to come next. And he's given up his wife. He's given up God's plan. And now the next point that I want us to understand about God's love is that God's love is not deterred by our failure. God's love is not deterred by our failure. Now notice what happens next. See, in the Middle East, back in, in, in those days, they had a way of passing wealth or, or possessions or, um, or your, the will through the sister, through the woman. It wasn't patriarchal. It was just a system of passing wealth. So by him saying, say you're my sister, he wasn't just saying so that they don't kill me because I'm your husband, but also because when, when they're giving lobola, when they're giving money to you and all that, I get it. So it may go well with me. That's, that's essentially what Abraham was saying, that when I get there, I can have some money too, and you'll be fine, you know, with your new husband, but I'll also be fine. So... That, that was the custom back in the day. And, and now, here Pharaoh gives. And remember, this is Pharaoh, the king of the land. So all the wealth he can think of, Abraham starts to receive. Abraham starts to receive. Now, 
Remember that God is in control of everything, right? So why, God, are you blessing this man who is in disobedience to you and who has rejected your plan for his life? You see, even when you fail, even when you reject God, he has not rejected you and he does not fail. Because when God chose Abraham, Abraham did not choose God. So this was God's plan and God's plan never fails. So God's plan for your life will never fail. The enemy can try anything. But what God has decided will stand. So Abraham is getting wealthy. But notice the contrast between Abraham and Pharaoh. Here's a liar and a disobedient man getting wealthy. And here's a man who's actually honest. He did everything legally right. He paid the thing you're supposed to pay. He approached her. He did what a king is expected to do. But he's getting sick. His family is getting sick. One is getting rich. The other is getting sick. Now, the sickness, the Bible says, is because of, his, of Abraham's wife. God still regarded Sarai as the wife, even though Pharaoh wedded Sarai. Pharaoh took Sarai as a wife, but God regarded Sarai as Abraham's wife. This is God's plan, not Pharaoh's plan, not man's plan, not Abraham's plan, not Sarai's plan, God's plan. This is Sarai. Abraham's wife. And in God's plan, it's not just that Abraham should be in Canaan. It's that Abraham should be in Canaan, have Isaac through Sarai, and after Isaac, there should be Jacob, and after Jacob, there should be the 12 sons, and after the 12 sons, there should be the nation of Israel, and in the nation of Israel, there'll be Judah, and in Judah, there'll be David, and from David, there'll be Solomon, and from Solomon, Jesus Christ. That is God's plan through Sarai. And Abraham is trying to frustrate that. Sarai is trying to frustrate that. Pharaoh is trying to frustrate that. Pharaoh's men are trying to frustrate that. But God's plan is God's plan. And so sickness comes on these people because they're frustrating God's plan. And Pharaoh, being a a man of wisdom, realized that, uh uh-uh, something else is at work here. I'm getting sick when this woman came in here. Now, the Bible is silent on how uh, Pharaoh was able to, to, to understand that this is from God. We, we could assume that it was a dream. We could assume that it was maybe a prophet or, or maybe Pharaoh just somehow figured it out. But anyway, Pharaoh saw that this is from God. And so he goes to Abraham. What have you done to me? He's scared. Remember, this is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Egypt is the place to be, the nation of the world. This is the superpower. So there's no other man more powerful than Pharaoh. And he's scared because he realizes that the only person more powerful than him is God. And so he says to Abraham, what have you done to me? How could you do this? How could you do this? You told me that she is your sister, yet she is your wife. Take your wife and go. (laughs) Take your wife and go. 
And so God restores the marriage. Abraham, even if he had regretted giving Sarai away and he, and, and, and he wanted Sarai back, he could never get her back. He could never go into the courts of Pharaoh and say, you know what, sir, your highness, this is actually my wife. And I would sincerely ask that you bring her back to me. He'll be decapitated. He'll be hung, same time. And so God intervened. God returned that union. This is the union that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come from. And so God returns this marriage. And so what we can learn from this is that despite your failure, you may have engaged in corruption. You may have rejected God's plan for your life. Maybe there was a time when, when you, you, you were once saved, but then what we call backsliding. You decided to go back into the ways of the world and turn your back on the church, turn your back on Christ, turn your back on the Bible. Despite all of that, God has a plan for your life. And no matter what the enemy does, nothing can change that. And so you can go back on your knees and God will openly welcome you with arms open wide because he has a plan for you and nothing can frustrate that. God's plan is God's plan. Maybe in the past you slept with somebody who is not your spouse. And you feel so bad about that. God still loves you. God has chosen you. Every single person sitting here has committed a sin. Every single person sitting here has been at war with God. But because we didn't choose him, he chose us. Nothing can frustrate his plans. Now, you may think, Joy, are you saying that uh, I can continue sinning? I can live a life of sin and just do whatsoever I want? No, that is not what I am saying. In fact, let's look at how Abraham responds to God's intervention. Now, Pharaoh, being scared, actually sends men concerning Abraham. This means that Abraham had people escort him out of Egypt. Pharaoh wanted to make sure that this man, who, who God's hand is on him, better get out of my country safe and sound, back to where he belongs, back to where God wants him. Because if something happens to him under my watch, oh boy, I got sick. <laughs> I might die. So Abraham's like, Pharaoh's saying, let me just get him out of here. So he actually gets people to escort Abram out. And he gives him things that he needs. Go. Go. Get back to the place the Lord wants you. And now, this is why I say the story should have ended in chapter 13. It says he leaves Egypt. Now notice, he entered Egypt desperate. Desperate. And now, he leaves Egypt wealthy. Wealthy. God was showing his love to him. God was showing him that he still loves him. 
He restored his marriage and he gave him the, the very possessions he needed to survive the famine. Which he would have got if he had stayed in, in, in Canaan. But God wanted to show him that even when you fail, I still have a plan for you. And here you are. And, and notice the Bible says that he goes from place to place and then he gets to the very first place he settled. And this is the third thing that we learn about God's love. And this is it. God's love leads to worship. God's love leads to worship. It leads to repentance. Abram goes back to the very place he settled where he built an altar and there he worships. He calls on the name of the Lord. So Abraham realized that he failed. He realized that he had actually rejected God's plan for his life. But after experiencing the love of God, after seeing the unconditional love of God, after seeing that God endures our failures, he was humbled. And he did not continue in his sin. He didn't say, okay, uh, let me go to, uh, back to my father's land and maybe I'll come out richer there again. No, 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 no. Abraham goes to the place of worship and he calls on the name of the Lord. Repentance. When we realize that we have sinned, we repent and we worship and we thank God for his mercy. And we, as Christians today, people in Jesus Christ, we know that this is based on the death and resurrection of Christ. He died for our sins. Everything wrong that we have done in our lives has been paid for in full. And so we go to the place of worship to thank him that he now accepts us because of Christ's sacrifice. We are humbled that he came as a man to die for our sins. And we are sorry for our sins. You see, this is why reverence is such an important thing when you're in the presence of God. Because you realize that you don't deserve it. Abraham didn't deserve it. He realized that and he goes to the place of worship. And so in this episode of Abraham's life, we learn three things about God's love. The first thing, God's love God's love brings trials. God's love brings hardships. The second thing, God's love does not God's love is not deterred by our failure. God's love is not deterred by our failure. And the third thing is God's love leads to worship. God's love leads to worship. So I trust that you have been encouraged in your faith, you're going to go through a hard time. You're going to have to say no. You're going to have to suffer. But understand that this suffering is for now. And God has a great plan for you. And you may, you may make mistakes, but God still has that plan for you. And it's a great plan. And for some of us, it's going to be something great in this lifetime. We have no idea what he has in store for us. You have no idea. Wonderful things are coming for you. But for some of us, maybe that wonderful thing will come 
in glorification, the next life. When that time comes, you're going to see the fullness of God's plan for your life. Peter did not taste that throne that he was promised. Jesus says, where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Mansions. There's a commentator who says the word mansions is actually thrones. The Greek word. Peter did not taste that. In fact, he just had to go and preach the word and help establish the church. And he did not taste that. So we don't know. Maybe we're going to get it now. Maybe we're going to get it later. But one thing we know for sure is later, we're going to get everything for you. So be encouraged by that. Through your suffering, there is a great hope for you. And when you do fail, understand that God still loves you. Understand that you can go back and come to a place of repentance. And God will be there to accept you because he chose you. You did not choose him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your message this evening. Thank you, Lord God, that through your word, through the story of Abraham, we learn so much about you. We learn so much about your love. And we learn so much about how we are to relate to you. Father God, this evening I come before you, Lord God, in repentance. Father God, we have failed you. We are sinful human beings. And we do not deserve your love. We do not deserve to be in the presence of your people. But Father God, you have chosen us to be here. And we are grateful for this. And we ask, Lord God, that you forgive us where we have failed. And we ask, Lord God, that your spirit will guide us and help us in this. That we may walk with you, Lord God, worthy of the calling that we have been given as Christians. I ask, Lord God, that you will give us the strength, Father, to say no to corruption, to say no to the evil things of this world, and to have the strength to resist the temptations of the flesh, to resist the temptations of materialism, and to put our eyes on you and to be led by the Spirit and to be led by this great hope that you have for your people, Lord God, that when you come back, you come back with a great promise for us.